Should we start with a Lady Gaga cover? Go. Uh, what song is that? <laughs> Unreleased. Welcome to episode eight. Oh my god, we're already at episode eight? Jesus. That's kind of a lot. Yeah, that's a, too much. After today, we retire. Thank god. Today, we have a very special guest. Who is it, Liam? Billy Lee from Vanderpump Rules. Yes. She was um, on a couple years ago, the only transgender woman to be on the series. It was a great interview. Not gonna lie. It was a great interview. We've already done it, just so you know. Are we gonna tell them it's pre-recorded? Yeah, why not? Like it's coming up. Well, it's a bit of both. bit of both. (laughs) It is coming up. In your ear canals, it's chronologically going to be after this, but I've already lived through it. Yeah, we couldn't record before because it was deathly early. It was too early, yeah. It's still too early. It's still too early. I mean, not for me, but for Liam. It's almost 11 a.m. Like, before (laughs) 11 a.m. That's fucked up. (laughs) So yeah, really good interview coming up. Um, But first, we have... Weird shit! Shit! Shit of the week! You want to do that before our Oreos? Oh yeah, let's do the Oreos first. Oh my god, yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. First, our beautiful, lovely friends... Jade and Ephedra, mm-hmm. big shout out, gave us a, a tub a, of Oikos Greek yogurt. N- inside that tub of Oikos Greek yogurt <laughs> were the holy grail of homosexual <laughs> snack cookies. Chromatica Oreos, yeah. cute Lady Gaga cover. Oh, ouch, ouch. <laughs> I love that Gaga song. Yeah, she sing that song <laughs> so good at that place. So, we have Chromatic Oreos. We have not tasted them. I was given them a few days ago, and I've just resisted the temptation so we could try them live, on but, air, fuck, with Ryan Seacrest. They're, uh, they're literally probably stale. There's no better airtight ceiling than an Oikos Greek yogurt container. Actually, yeah, I'm into that. So, we're going to try them. If you don't know what Chromatic <clears throat> Oreos are... You probably don't listen to this podcast. They are... You can't see this right now. Let's employ a little bit of a descriptive video here. Uh, they're fucking pink. They are green. pink. It's kind of a weird pink. It's a very warm pink. Yeah, I love that color pink. And one of them says Chromatica, and one of them oh, has Lady weird Gaga. woman symbol. Oh, that's the album cover. Mm-hmm, Gaga. Now knowing that's the album cover, it looks so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like... Cool. Was this the concept art for the album? She got big heels on in that. Yeah, she also got a tiny little pinhead. Yeah, <laughs> for real. So, should we have milk? I can't fucking drink milk. You want me to shit all over the place? <laughs> like oat milk? I don't have enough. I no milk dunking test. Yeah, I'm just gonna take a bite. ASMR. They are kind of stale. <laughs> are they really? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Maybe try. Maybe just a hint. Mmm. They taste like the <laughs> container. This review does not translate well to an audio-only medium. Yeah. But I don't think it tastes like just in plain old Oreo. I think it does. You do? Tell the people. Tastes like a fucking plain golden Oreo. 
I don't think the not. texture of this green creme is a little too loose for me. I like it when it's mm-hmm. firmer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't fucking like golden Oreos. The taste is a little bit more artificial than an Oreo. I feel maybe that's it's all Oreo. the fucking food coloring that's in this. Because yeah. I know there's a whole bucket of food coloring <laughs> per cookie. If you ate a whole fucking box of these. You would shit such vibrant colors. Oh, uh, should we try it? I've eaten a whole box of Oreos, and I shit black, and I thought I had internal bleeding. <laughs> Stop. 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 <laughs> Stop. I, don't, I don't care if you're kidding or not. I actually just don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, I think it tastes a little bit more artificial. I agree that this this um, green cream seems quite loose. Maybe yeah. just because it's... Is it, like, warm inside the Oikos container? Maybe it's by nature. I think it's good that I like golden Oreos, you know? No, I don't. I do. But I still think this tastes different. There's so Classic Oreos are so much better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like birthday cake Oreos, but... Ew. I don't know. I don't think it tastes like golden Oreo. I think there's... I think it's an artificial taste. I don't know what the flavor is. Yeah, golden Oreos taste artificial as fuck. Classic Oreos. That's controversial. Single stuff. Me talking with a mouthful? So perfect <laughs> for a podcast. I love that we did this. I do too. Um, rating, I give it five. Five, okay. Simply for the color alone. If it was just like the fucking flavor, get a two. You know, I get give a, it a one. I would not eat that. I give it I give it a seven. But I like golden Oreos. Oh, maybe a six, because I don't like whatever that artificial flavor I'm tasting is. I don't love. Yeah, big points for presentation and the fact that it's attached to Lady Gaga. Yeah. Loose cream. Yeah, loose really green loose. cream was not it. I'm so happy that Jaden paid twelve dollars for she this paid box. Twelve dollars? Yeah, twelve dollars. What the hell? Twelve dollars for this box of Oreos. Jeez. I'd pay fucking I was like, I feel like I should give you like a buck an Oreo, like yeah, pretty much. Dole that shit out. Anyways, um, that was exhilarating. That was awesome. Yep. Time yep. for weird shit of the fucking week, motherfucker. Jingle. Pause for jingle. Have you redone the jingle yet? No. Cool. Yeah. Weird, it's the weirdest shit that you've ever seen this week. Yeah, welcome to weird shit of the week. The week. The wee wee week. <laughs> Okay, you want to go first? I think I went first last week. Did okay, I go yeah, first I'll go. last week? Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think you did go first last week. Yeah. My weird shit of the week is from Fox News, of course. Uh, headline is Louisiana Priest and two dominatrices, dominatrices? I don't Dom- know. Plural dominatrix, charged with vandalism after altar threesome. That's right. The church's oh. altar was burned and a new one consecrated last October. But basically... What? They got slapped with vandalism charges because they were having sex atop a church altar. All three of them. That is what a threesome entails, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> uh, the two dominatrices, Mindy Dixon, 41, and 28-year-old Melissa Chang, were wearing corsets and high heels during the threesome, which was being recorded according to the court documents. I like how one of them has no eyebrows and one of them has so intense eyebrows. Yeah, she makes up for hers. Yeah. They look like dominatrices. Yeah. Sex toys and stage lights were recovered at the scene by police. <laughs> I'm sorry, why is this a big crime scene? What did they, they burn something? Yeah, they were charged with vandalism. I think the biggest thing for me here is it's a priest. Yeah. That's the biggest curveball here. Is, yeah, that's what really adds adds to it. The dominatrix ladies were just having a good time doing their thing. They uh, Their lawyer says, This is nothing more than a thinly veiled attempt to regulate the morality of private individuals. Just because you don't like something doesn't make a criminal. My clients look forward to their day in court as we continue to fight this baseless allegation. I kind of agree. 
Yeah, if they didn't actually commit any crime, yeah. Was the crime burning the altar? I don't even know, because if it's his church, can't... Like, I mean, he's a bad priest. If that's your priest, I'd get a new church. Yeah, I don't know what God be thinking about all this. Yeah, he's but probably not loving until him. they get there... <laughs> they shouldn't have to deal with anything. Um, I give that fucking an awesome out of 10. Okay, we're just rating everything. <laughs> cool. Okay, mine is also from Fox News. The headline is, Taiwanese official begs people to stop changing their name to Salmon for free sushi. Free meal inspires 150 to change their name to Salmon. Cool. Would you change your name to Salmon for free sushi? I mean, it's not even for life, is it? Well, it says earlier this week, sushi chain Akindo Sushiro kicked off what local media dubbed Salmon Chaos after offering free food to whole tables of customers named Gui Yu or Salmon Translated. Diners with aquatic monikers could also get discounts of up to 50% off too. So if your name is Fishy Fishy Squishy Lady, <laughs> you get 50% off. That is my fucking name. <laughs> The um, thing is, you yeah. get, what, one free meal or every time you go? Yeah, it's just these two days and everyone at the table needs to be named Sam. <laughs> everyone. But you get one big free meal. Everyone gets their meal for free. Okay, would you change your name for a free meal? Like, that is just literally... Just one free meal? No, it's The so lowest, work. like, the lowest bar. If you're willing to do it at that point, why didn't you just do it earlier? Depends like, how hungry I am. <laughs> you have to go to, like, a government building to change Yeah, it's a whole name, process. No? And I would imagine you can't even fucking do that shit for free. Like, there are administrative costs. Okay, so 150 people, oh mostly gosh. young people, change their name for this meal. And more than 1,000 receive that 50% off discount. That's probably just people who naturally are named Fishy Fishy Squishy Lady. Yeah. Or uh, whatever else. It would be Aquaman or something. I mean, I might throw a little middle name in there to get 50% well, off. That doesn't count. You need to have first name. They don't say that. Well, <laughs> you going in and being like, I changed my middle name for this. You can call me Liam Jaws Bonzini. <laughs> would that count? Jaws is a movie. I know. About a shark. Yeah. So would that count? I'm just clarifying in case people didn't know. Would that count? Yeah. Oh, Diner said that they plan to change their names back after the free meal. So it's not one changing. <laughs> you change your name twice. You okay. change it again. This is in Taiwan. Like, is it easy to change your name in Taiwan or something? I don't know. How... But the application fee is $3. So they're paying $6 so for this free meal. So it's not even fully free. No. <laughs> oh, and you can only change your name three times. So they're using up two of their three times. <laughs> so hopefully they don't ever need to, you know, change their identity. Two more times. <laughs> if you have to change your name for a fourth time, what's going on? <laughs> what? what if someone used, like, their final change for this? Like, it was their third change, and now their name Again, is just Salmon. Who, who, in the, who goes and changes their name for a fourth time? You'd think third time, I'm going to get it right. No. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's... Okay. That, I don't know why, but that one made me angry. Yeah, you seem a little fired up over that. Idiots. <laughs> yeah. Idiots. Um, that was weird shit of the week. Yeah, I love WSOTW. It's one of my favorite things. Today we're talking about... Um, well, we have our interview with Billy Lee about her trans journey, but a big uh, chunk of that is about cis privilege, and yeah. I thought it was interesting for us to get a trans perspective on cis privilege because we are cisgendered people and we benefit from cis privilege in our lives. Mm. Cis privilege is 
you know, pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> let's, let's explain it. <laughs> it's in the name. Cis privilege is just when you're a cisgendered person and you fit into like that binary of society and you just don't have to deal with the struggles that a trans or non-binary person would have to deal with. Yes. So you don't have to question which bathroom to use or or wonder about your safety when you're using a bathroom. I actually mm-hmm. saw a TikTok that made me, yesterday, that made me think about cis privilege. It was this trans TikToker. I can't remember her name. Shit. Um, but she was talking about being trans and traveling. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the full body scans. Oh, yeah. So she was like, I'm privileged because my ID says that I'm female and I have passing privilege because she looks like a cis female. Mm-hmm. And she was like, but then you get to the full body scanners and there's one for men and one for women. Mm-hmm. And she obviously goes in the w- woman one because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, there's always an anomaly between my legs. Uh, and then so she said they put her in the men's one and she had like her breasts set it off. Wow. So she had to be fully padded down. And she says that happens every time she goes to the airport. And I'm like, that is so intrusive. Yeah. Well, those full body scans are fucking insane. Yeah. In general. Like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, there's kind of like a cultural moment in the States right now where it's like the Republican Party wants to go further and further against trans people in the way that maybe early to mid 2000s mostly mid-2000s, I'd say, there was this big push against gay people as well. Like, kind of is repeating itself a bit. Like, they had Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and now there's these washroom bills, and and they had, like, there's all these things about, like, trans kids playing sports and stuff. It's like, fuck, these are just kids who want to play sports. Yeah. They're talking about literal children, and they're like, this is gonna affect our whole world and society and my kid won't get into varsity, blah, blah, blah. Like, fuck, dude. First of all, that's not how that would work. Second of all, it, these are children who want to play games. Yeah, for sure. Like, that is, to me, just ridiculous. Where and that's you... something, I, I mean, not that I play sports. God, fuck. Hell no. Yeah, no. But um, if I was, you know, the thought of just being denied that, just, like, at such mm-hmm. a young age, when you're already ostracized, it's like, Jesus. So you think the Republican Party in the States is going in a really bad direction with trans rights? I think the Republican Party is... Just a mess. It's not even a political party at this point, other than in name. Maybe we should do a podcast on politics, and I'll just sit here, and Liam will just talk for Oh, hour. I could talk all day long, baby. That's why I'm on a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously there's been a big change in how... Are you yawning? Am I boring you? No, I'm yawning because it's earlier than 11 a.m. Um, I think there's a big there's been a big change with acknowledging white privilege mm-hmm. in the past couple of years, especially the last year, I think. And I think that um, cis privilege is like a less acknowledged and less understood idea. I think, yeah, I think most people in general have really no understanding of a trans experience or just yeah. a, a trans life. Very, people respond very inappropriately to certain things, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. We, uh... Are obviously two cis white gay men, so we don't have the necessary perspective that Billy has, and she shares um, some very important perspectives on her time on Vanderpump Rules and just her life, so we're gonna kick it 
to the past. Kick the future in the past. Past to the future. Yeah, so in normal people words, we're going to go to the interview now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Normal people words! We don't have the necessary perspective, I think, to give like an authentic depiction of what being trans is like, obviously. Uh, We're going to go into our interview with the wonderful, beautiful Billy Lee. Our guest today was on two seasons of the hit Bravo reality series, Vanderpump Rules. She is a vocal activist for trans rights, as well as the rights of people of color, and uh, here to talk about her journey of finding her voice as a trans woman. Let's all welcome Billy Lee. How are you? I'm really, really good. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on. This is like so awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. For the listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with you, I just wanted to ask just about your trans journey and how Billy Lee came to be who she is today. I was born and raised in a very small town in Indiana. And um, my parents dropped out of school when they were like 16. It was very, um, you know, that uh, trailer park um, story. And my parents just did not understand me. All they knew was like, they had a really feminine boy and they wanted to like kind of, I know this is a, a microaggression, but um, they wanted to like man me up and, and make me masculine. And that was really hard as a child to constantly be reminded that I was wrong. And yeah, it just led to a lot of mental health issues. And I had difficult times going to school. Um, I missed a couple years of grade school. But luckily, I had some really amazing teachers who saw something special in me. And they knew that I was going to do something in life. And they kind of took me under their wing. And they forced me to go to school. They would let me stay all night with them. And yeah, they really kind of... I I remember, I think it was like five or six... I was telling people I wanted to have my own talk show. And really the reason why, and I learned this later in life, is because like the only way that I had access to anything outside of the trailer park and the um, and the ignorance surrounding me was talk shows. My mom would watch different talk shows and I was obsessed with Oprah Winfrey talk show. And I remember like Oprah said this one time, she's like, yeah, you know, fans come up to me. She's like, I basically raised them because I was on their TV every day. And that's how I truly felt. I really was educated and inspired through her platform. So I knew I need, I wanted to have a platform of some kind to do the same thing, educate and inspire in some way. I didn't really know it was going to like become my life story or use my life as a trans woman and activist to really use that platform, but I'm beyond like proud. And even though there are some really hard moments, it's led me to where I am today. And I am forever grateful for my trans experience, but it definitely wasn't always like that. I had my challenges where I was, especially being bullied and teased as a child. I was really upset that I was trans and I didn't even have a word for it. I just, my relationship with God was, was, uh, I just really was upset with him and life and, I was suicidal at a very young age, um, which most trans people are. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I feel like now I'm at a point in my life where like, I really am grateful for everything that I've been through. And and even the problems that I have today, like I'm very grateful for them because it's all a learning lesson. Wow. Yeah, that is a definitely a really tough upbringing. But it's great to hear that you had those figures in your life that you could look up to. And you talked a little bit about knowing from a very young age that you wanted that platform. I know you're a huge activist on social media and you're very vocal about a lot of the issues that are really prescient in our time. Um, Is that Mm -hmm. where you also got that drive to be such an activist or how did that kind of come about? 
Well, I definitely feel like I've always been one of those people that stick up for other people. And, you know, through my journey of actually realizing how people in my community and my hometown um, treated me, but then also how they spoke of of other people that were different than them, it made me realize like how discrimination really felt. And, um, and then also just being a teenager and then coming to Los Angeles with the love of my lives are trans women of color and seeing how they were treated differently than me because they were of color. Um, and, you know, they're the love of my life. So of course, if I have somewhat any privilege, um, including white privilege, or sometimes it's beauty privilege or cis assuming privilege. Um, I want to use that in any way possible to to make sure I protect the ones that I love. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm always speaking up as an activist. And, you know, I did get to a point in my life where like I was, after all the surgeries, I was cis assuming I owned a restaurant in the Valley of, um, in Los Angeles. And I, you know, I finally felt like I was like not being kicked or abused or made fun of by society I finally had things together and I was like you know what I'm gonna live stealth which is basically living as a cis woman um and I dated and lived my life that way for a few years and I kept on getting to the same point where I was dating and falling in love with guys and I was um not telling them the truth and even though it's our own right to disclose our trans experience when it's ready I definitely felt myself getting into these situations where I was devastated and crying and heartbroken because the guys would leave me after I told them. And then I also had a trans woman um, come into my restaurant and here I am standing behind the counter and with my beauty, my white privilege, all of those things. And I wasn't, when she left, people were making fun of her in my restaurant. And I was like, wow, I have a whole entire community out there that is a part of me that I'm hiding from and I'm not defending them or anything. And that really kind of, woke me up in a way. So I sold my restaurant. Um, and then the month after selling my restaurant, I came out as a proud trans woman, and I started blogging. And then I got a couple campaigns. And I just really started my career there as an activist. And the more that I spoke up for people and spoke my truth, the f- more liberated and free I felt. And I really felt like I was answering, you know, the call, like the purpose of my life was to really use my voice, use my platform, use my life experience and my story to help other people. And I think that's what we're all here for. I really do think like, you know, we're here to to be teachers. And obviously, we're here to learn too, but to share our story and teach other people is important. That's the big thing about this podcast that motivated us to start it was um, speaking to people People who have like unique queer perspectives that we can share and help educate people. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> I wanted to ask you mm. about cis privilege itself. To someone who's never heard the term, how would you define it? Well, it's like with anything with privilege, you know, white privilege, cis privilege. I mean, you someone being cis and which is the opposite of trans someone being cis and 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 not having the same struggles and also you know not realizing like for instance you know i think the most i brought it up publicly was when i was on vanderpump and i had this whole incident with girls night in these girls planned a girls night in an event at my job and i wasn't included in any of the planning and the actual night or the flyer and they did not even stop to understand or listen or hold space for why I was upset. And right there is privilege. And, you know, I grew up with being rejected from going to girls, um, 
pizza nights and girls night because I was a boy and that's you know, how my parents identified me. And it was really, you know, one big trigger for me um, that I learned through that experience. But for a person to be cis and to not even understand or try to understand where a trans person is coming from and how that has triggered them is for me, cis privilege. And, you know, just being cis, you comes with so much privilege. You don't have to deal with bathroom issues. You don't have to deal with um, your healthcare being taken away or the government attacking your rights. Um, there's a lot that comes with that. So, and, you know, they even attacked me for attacking them saying that I, you know, called them cis privilege or whatever. And I'm like, that's just, you know, it's just another layer and another reason why this is obviously cis privilege. When you were on the show, that was, yeah, that was a big moment for you, I think. And I think a lot of people saw that as well. I'm kind of curious though, when you're in that like, reality tv bubble does it kind of like even now that you're out of it and you can reflect on your time on the show does it even a little more intense than like what it was or or has that kind of emotion died down or like how has it kind of shifted to now Uh, my life is so great now um so much gratitude (laughs) but uh yeah i mean you know when i was in it i i mean Here's the thing is I, when I was in it, I was drinking a lot. Like you're working at a restaurant, you're filming, your nerves are going crazy. You're working 12 hour days and you're drinking. And I was drinking a lot. I was hungover. I, um, I, my suicidal thoughts started coming back. I would just lay in bed all day long and just like daydream about how I would end my life. And it was just the stress of, you know, I was around all cis people and they had their own cliques, their own group. And it was very catty. And there was just so much, even like, you know, when you have to film your confessionals, which is like in front of the camera one-on-one, I, that was probably the most uncomfortable time for me because I'm just not a person that likes to gossip and talk shit about people. And for me to have to sit in front of a camera and be all made up in front of a team of people and have to literally sit there and just talk shit about someone and repeat it over and over for hours, I literally felt like I was just completely in the wrong place. Like I I just felt so out of touch, out of aligned. Like I I wasn't aligned with anything that I really wanted to do in life. And although I'm very grateful for the experience and where it's gotten me today, I was extremely uncomfortable and depressed. And um, even the stress levels, like, because when I was younger, I would try to like physically harm myself just because I had no way of like expressing I had like childhood depression. They diagnosed me with OCD. They literally diagnosed me with everything but uh, being trans. And I just felt all these like really bad things coming back. I felt like I literally was dropped back in high school, very insecure. And also there were so many microaggressions. I mean, my body was on display like, oh, you know, Stassi would talk about my boobs and how they were she couldn't get over at the time they were real. And she would just tell people like, look at her boobs. How are they real? Like my body was on display. Everything was, I was like an object. And I was encouraged to talk about my vagina and my body parts um, from the producers. And, and I was asked a lot on camera from Lisa and stuff. And I think most of them didn't understand how hurtful that was. And I didn't even understand it. It just one after another, after another, on top of drinking, it just really took its toll on me. And it was a blessing that I ended that 
and um, and moved on. Definitely. You brought up Stassi and I wanted to talk about the blog post or the letter you wrote uh, titled Dear Bravo TV last summer. You wrote in there that the show's cast, including Lisa Vanderpump, are harming an entire race and gender through their actions. And I just was wondering if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, well, I mean, think about it. Like, their one Black castmate became, was villainized. Yeah. And um, she, when I, my first time coming on the show and my first time around everyone, it was her way out the door. So as I was coming in, she was leaving. Um, and it was, like, really dramatic as she was leaving the the show and the scenes. And I had no idea really exactly her storyline. I didn't really watch the show. I wanted to go in knowing these people as just humans and become friends with them in that way versus, you know, watching an edited version of them. And then like later realizing, especially with my, uh, when I was on the reunion and how I was gaslighted and just the whole experience. And then off camera, you know, I spoke publicly about that. I believe there needs to be more people of color and there needs to be more LGBTQ people. And when I spoke publicly about that, I received a phone call from multiple people, including Lisa Vanderpump herself to, to not talk negative about the show and that she made my career and she could easily take it away. So for my, for someone who I looked up to in a way, cause I never had someone like rich and very, you know, she's, she's, she's a character. I've never had that growing up in a trailer park. So I looked up to her in a lot of ways. She was my fairy godmother. I mean, and then for me to be silenced and gaslighted from her, um, to save her brand or her image. And I just kept on saying over and over, even with my conversations with Saucy when we first filmed together with her podcast, because um, I heard that she would say racist things and I was warned to be really careful with her. Um, I just kept on trying to educate people. I even sent them connections to GLAAD to do media training. So if they were on the red carpet and asked anything about trans people, they would know the right terms and pronouns. And no one cared. Everyone declined, you know, and that's a part of being cis privileged and also white privileged. They didn't realize that they were harming a Black woman and they were harming Black people by villainizing her. Um, and then also the trans community and what they did with me. And you know, that's the thing as people ask me all the time, do you think that they're racist? Do you think that they're transphobic? I think they're ignorant. I think that they're very privileged and ignorant. And Lisa's old school. And as much as I love her and send her love all the time, and I know she does a lot for animals, even though she's not vegan, you know, I send her love. But at the same time, like there was a lot of ignorant comments that was um, directed towards me, asked of me. And, you know, it just... It was a it was a challenging, challenging time. I definitely always say to people like, you know, I, I think it just it was a matter of privilege and ignorance for sure. Have you heard from anyone since that blog post? Did anyone reach out? Um, I have like family from that show. So Tom and Ariana are literally my family. And I still see Sheena sometimes and James and Raquel. But, you know, Tom and Ariana agrees with me. Like, you know, like they definitely, we had this conversation going in. Like they were very excited to have a trans you know, cast member and, you know, they, re there are some really good people on there. And it's crazy because all these people that I would warn over and over and kind of like tried to help educate them, they end up being all fired and not asked back. 
So the new season or whatever that's looking like, I know it's going to be about Tom and Tom and, and, you know, it needs to be about the people that, um, that are really good, amazing people. Cause there are really great people on that show. And I hope that that's the focus versus the people that were on the show that were fired. Yeah. What for Stassi, after all of the allegations that came out against her, what do you think she could do to improve herself after? I mean, I think it's just really like learning, you know, I always say learn and volunteer, you know, it's like one thing to read an article, but to actually go and, you know, when I did events um, and I hosted events for, cause I'm on the board of Glisten and Equality California, I would invite all of them. And the goal was for them to come meet the trans community, to come see what people deal with and why we fight so hard for equality. And they would not show up. I mean, the only time they would show up was like pride when it was like, you know, a party and it was time for them to drink. I always tell people, you know, yeah, of course, it's time to shut up and listen and learn, but go beyond just like Googling something or looking something up. Like, I think it's important to get involved any way you can to be a board member. And being a board member, you are literally you know, listening to these powerful meetings and, and listening to the community. Um, and, and also volunteering at, you know, community centers. And yeah, I, I definitely think it's important to, to go beyond your comfort zone and experience that and try to just learn and, and be there like what other people experience. Because, you know, it, even with the trans community, it's very difficult to be trans in America. I mean, it's March and we've already lost 11 trans people to, to violence. The reason why I did Vanderpump was because of our unemployment rate was so, it's like as a Black trans person, it's five times higher, but the trans person is three times higher than the general population the unemployment rate. And I thought, wow, this could be a really cool way to show people that trans women are worthy of a job. But I had no idea what they were going to do producing wise and editing. And, and it was uh, really disappointing what they did with my storyline. It sounds like the whole experience was like, just like the whole culture just sounds really toxic, honestly. Very. But do you think Bravo now, like after the summer of 2020 and like going forward, there has been a reckoning or do you think that they still have quite a bit of distance to make up? I mean, I think we're evolving past the toxic, you know, tearing each other down type of reality television. I mean, I know it still has a place, you know, but I believe, you know, E and Bravo are merging. Like, I know there's a lot of shifting happening, but I personally don't like watching dramatic shows where people are tearing each other down. You know, they did, when I was filming, they celebrated that. They, you know... Jax was very, very difficult to work with and was usually on drugs or something. And he was very agitated and angry and producers would dance around that kind of behavior. And since they let him go, didn't ask him back and they fired some people, I'm hoping that they're, you know, trying to go a little bit more, um, celebrate the positive people. I hope that's what it is. But, you know, America still loves its drama. And I understand that people want to not think about their own life. So they want to be distracted by someone else's drama. I've had literally celebrities come up to me and tell me how much they love the drama. But I just, I personally would never want to be 
part of any kind of drama reality series again. And I always pray and send love to people that are are, are involved because it is it takes a huge toll on your mental health. But I hope as a network, I mean, think about how many beautiful, inspiring shows are out there. Like, hopefully that's where we, you know, in the entertainment industry, hopefully that's where we lead. And the companies that I am working with now, like the production companies and the shows that I'm producing now are so different. And they're also, you know, there's a spot for it. People are wanting it and wanting to buy it and wanting to watch it. Which is awesome, I think. I mean, it's great to hear you're doing so much better now that you're off the show. Um, I do want to ask you about some of those businesses and and things you're getting involved in now. You have a cookbook, right? So very vegan. Yeah, so that was just, it's. Uh, we did a vegan challenge. So She's a Vegan is my company. We're just now developing products. Um, it's something that I wanted to really do. Um, I've been vegan for 10 years and I wanted to start it with with just something that could really help the planet and help animals and help educate and inspire people in that way. I mean, being vegan has shifted my life and changed my life in such a positive way. Um, Not only my health, but just the impact on the planet and just letting people know like, hey, we are powerful. What we do with our hands, what we cook, what we eat really does make a huge impact on our planet, on the environment and um, the animals. So that's kind of like every project that I am working on with She's So Vegan, it's really for the planet and the animals. And then I have a book deal in the works that's um, all about microaggressions. And it's a collaboration. So I'm the producer writer, but I'm also collabing with amazing activists and celebrities like Karamo Brown and other amazing people. And then my TV show with Lionsgate um, is for my community, for the trans community. So yeah, I feel like every project that I'm working on, it really is to move us forward as a society and to help in some type of way and not really, you know, make it about me at the end of the day. It's really about everyone else and the planet. It's what I try to do. I love that. Yeah. Well, coming to the end of this now, I thought it would be nice if you had any words or any positive advice you'd like to share with any young trans people out there who are really at the beginning of their journey discovering who they are? I always say be patient, be patient, because it takes time. Like I definitely, um, I learned the hard way of like just being patient and, and loving yourself. My thing is like journaling and keeping a gratitude journal really helps lift my vibration. I write love letters to myself um, when I'm feeling down because, you know, being a trans person and especially, you know, you turn on the news and it's something awful about trans people or being murdered, or if they're trying to, to pass a law to ban us from playing sports, a lot of negative energy there. So I definitely encourage if you do have control of your own is to like keep a journal and, and write positive things about yourself and be patient with yourself because it is a journey. It is an experience. And I know that you're not alone. You know, there are so many of us out there that are here working hard to pave the way so it's a little bit easier and brighter for you, no matter how, because I mean, I grew up in a very small town and I very much felt alone. And now with social media and YouTube, and it's so different, you know, you really do have 
an advantage of not feeling alone um, and having that support around you. Well, that was awesome. It was, yeah, that was a great, great little chat. It was so good to actually get to speak with you and get to hear about just what you've been through, which has been a lot and where you're going. So we're just so happy to have you on. I'm so grateful that (laughs) you agreed to do this. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for giving me the um, platform to share my story. Thanks again to Billy Lee for being on the podcast. I had a great time talking to her. I thought she had a lot of interesting, unique, and honestly inspiring insights about just like finding her voice. Thank you, Billy, for coming on. That was a great interview. I told you guys, I told you guys from the get-go it was a good fucking interview. Was I wrong? Nope. She spilled a little bit of tea about what it was like at, at Vanderpump Rules, which I thought was Sir. Cool. At Sir, yeah. I've been to Sir was when I was in LA. I didn't eat there. I just used the washroom. Oh, what the fuck? Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> I, don't know, I just pissed there. I was just like wanted to see. You just walked in and said, can I use your bathroom? I just walked to the bathroom and asked. Oh my god. How do you know where it was? I I just I feel like in a restaurant you can determine where the washroom is. It looks like easily. a big place. It wasn't. Washroom was very nice, very cool. I have some selfies in the mirror. Jesus. But I did not eat there because I was out of money on that trip. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> uh now to end our, our stunning, stunning, stunning podcast. We're gonna do song of the week. And Lana Del Rey just released her album, so of course I'm gonna choose a Lana song. But I do really like the album. Do you? Eh. Oh you don't? Eh. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's no Norman fucking Rockwell. That was a good album, yeah. Mine is Breaking Up Slowly. I really like that. I album. loved Breaking Up Slowly and... Like, Tammy won it. It's not, not even Lana singing for most of it, or the part that I actually like. So I'm going to pick For Free because... I don't think I like that one. Well, that's fine. You don't have to like it. It's a Joni Mitchell cover, and I'm a Joni Mitchell stan. Who the fuck's Joni Mitchell? Shut up, Liam. <laughs> oh my god, you are so it's fucked. Joe Wait, no, but you you've heard this to albums, song. I watch movies. You've heard this song though. Oh yeah. Put on the parking spot. That's Joni Mitchell. She's Put like, on the parking lot. Very uh revered, well regarded. <laughs> Stop. Famous songwriter. And I loved this cover for free so dearly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find Billy's recipe book, So Very Vegan, delicious recipes for any time of day on she'ssovegan.com, as well as her new six-week vegan challenge. All of those links, as well as her socials, will be in the description of this episode. And once again, I just want to say thank you to Billy for being here. It was yes. really nice. Thank you, Billy. Really nice chat. You can find us at Two Servings Pod on Instagram. And what's the email? It's the exact same thing. Oh, <laughs> two servings pod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts oh, or wherever you get your podcasts because it really helps and we appreciate it so dearly, so deeply. And happy spring. Happy motherfucking spring. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.